Good morning. Love this is Dipshirt Kids Radio. back now. Good morning. This is uh, Attorney Vince Davis, and this is Get Your Kids Back Now. This show is dedicated to keeping families together and to fighting the tyranny of CPS and DCFS social workers. A secondary purpose of the show is to educate parents and relatives or to at least give them the information or tell them where they can get the information that is necessary for their fight. The final purpose of the show is to remind the people that change can be effectuated at the ballot box, at the state and federal levels. Let us unite, vote, and elect those who will make the necessary changes. Good morning. This is Attorney Vince Davis. And today we're going to focus on callers. I have gotten a lot of calls during the week and emails. Uh, People have questions and they wanted to call into the show. So I'm going to take my first call. Uh, It's an unavailable number, so let's see. Hello. Yes. Good, mo- good morning. This is Attorney Vincent Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Um, kind of both. Um, I bought um, I bought Kings County CPS for my kids. It was a my well at the time my husband he decided he didn't want to be with me anymore, so he started calling and making all these malicious calls and starting like big fights and opening windows and just blowing everything out. It they gave the kids to him off for, off top and he went through this thing and he wound up having to live with his mom and everybody else and he seemed to think that for five minutes that when he got tired of having the kids all up under him all the time um, that CPS was just going to organize and listen and go oh look it's mom's on her feet and we're just going to give them to her but um then, of course, it doesn't happen. Um, and so I'm going through this thing, and I'm thinking that, well, okay, I got a public defender or pretender, and he's, oh, well, I guess I'd heard from other people that he was the better of the crew. And we decided that. Ma'am? Yes. Ma'am? Let me yes. interrupt you because I'm a, I'm a little lost in your story. What county um, are you are you? What county are you in? Um, well, I've moved out of California now. I need uh, I need help. Um, they've did, done some things like follow my my. I sent my aunt to go retrieve retrieve my service animal, and it was CPS that followed her from Central California, Kings County, all the way through the Arizona border, and they they got arrested and detained for uh, following my service animal. I mean, like the okay, harassment hold on, was hold on. horrible. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Where do you have a CPA CPS case? What state and what county? It was um I had one. I closed it in June uh, July of um uh, July of last year in in Kings County, California. Okay. So, did you get your children back? I did. I did and I wound up having to uh I closed the case in the middle of June. Well, Third week of July, they did it without a court date. Um, even the so the supervisors in the office were also trying to offer me a job, which is kind of crazy because I guess they really believed that I was crazy and I, I was not going to be able to get my kids back, and they couldn't figure out how I got my kids back or how I was able to fulfill every requirement that they gave me. They changed my case plan two, three times. I was already on it. Like, I, I, I'm like... I just did everything I, I could, and they really didn't want to give me the kids back. And I, I guess, like, my ex-husband, he was mad and ranting and raving because the kids didn't want to talk to them. And my court papers, um, where they, that, that slot where they say um, uh, no visitation or only supervised visitation, um, his box for only supervised visitation is marked. But in the other visitation part of the court paperwork that – um, like my custody papers, where it says no less than blank hours uh, so many times a week, mine's not filled in. So I don't have to worry about him even trying to visit with the kids or nothing, right? Um, you know, in order for me to answer that question, I'd have to see the uh, custody order. But did you have okay. a question for us this morning? Um, but I, I was like, um, are, 
is it normal for CTS from one state to chase, um, well, to, to follow somebody on all the way across, well, almost all the way across the country, and then um, like use another CTS agency to try to harass them some more to get the kids sent back to where they started from? No, is it okay. normal? I, I don't know, but I have seen it happen on, you know, several occasions in my career. Uh, they they mm-hmm. follow you from county to county or from state to state. Okay. So if you're, well, going, if you're, go, if you're going to move, it, you know, and you don't want to be bothered by CPS interference in your life, you probably should not uh, inform anyone of where you're going or use social um, uh, you know, programs because they can track you by name and birth date from county to county, state to state. Yeah, mine, all of my stuff says I'm in nine different places. Um, the problem is, is um, uh, and then I have a, like, this is kind of like on subject, off subject kind of, I have a government phone that I haven't used in four months, and that was the number that they had, and they were calling me on. It's still active, and it, I haven't, it, the SIM card is floating around my room somewhere. I'm pretty sure they uh, keep getting these, these calls from different parts of the government agency over there. They're saying, we, we need your specific home address. And I'm going, uh, nope. I've been where I'm at for six months now. My kids are finally readjusting. They're not scared anymore. They're not worried. They're doing really well. Um, and, like, I, they found out that I was in one particular area, and they sent CPS after me, but... The, the same allegations that my ex-husband threw at me were the exact same ones that came out of uh, that, that came from the social workers in California. And when I realized that it was a social worker from where I was at, I turned around and I was like, "Okay, wait, let me guess. The allegation is I'm crazy. I, I, I'm losing my mind. Um, I just up and took off and left everything and just took my kids and I'm going to shut their face in a hole somewhere and they're going to have nothing, right?" And she goes. Um, kind of can't, she said, well, essentially, I said, okay, that came from the ex-husband, came from social services, came from California. I said, but I had to leave because I'm tired of the whole harassment thing, and I was tired of, uh, like, my marriage before it ended, it was extremely abusive. Um, they, I actually have a, mar- a ding on my, um, on my, like, where they keep record of all your CPS cases, or your, all your CPS uh Contacts like I he wouldn't let me out of the car, and I was like, please just let me out of the car, let me out, let me out, let me out. And he'd been he he wouldn't let me go. Like he was like no. And so like after about five hours of um, psychological and emotional torture, I just got out of the car. And when I went to when I told him that I was going to get out of the car, if and he, you know to slow down, he hits the gas pedal, mind you. I was five and a half months pregnant. The baby was fine. Didn't even get a scratch on my belly. Didn't get a scratch nowhere below the armpit. But um, everybody at CPS went, oh, oh, well, you jumped out of the car. But nobody went, God dang that. He ki- that's kidnapping. More than two feet from where you said you don't want to go is kidnapping. So, like, I'm going, wow, that's great. You know, like, but everybody, everybody like, I had a whole lot of problems with that one, too, because I was like, I, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to sit here and be tortured? Am I supposed to sit here and let him hurt me some more? Or do I just take it? I'm going to get hurt anyway, you know? And like, it's just, it's one of those things. There's a lot of chaos. And to close out that case, um, I got every paperwork in the mail and I'm going, okay, we're going to wait till December and then we're going to relocate. Give the kids some time, you know, relax and chill and have all their friends and family around for a little bit. And then my daughters tell me that they were molested. Um, my my middle child, she was raped by her dad while in CPS custody. And under her grandparents' care, after they'd been removed from his custody, he wasn't even supposed to go to the house. And they let it go. Like, the grandparents were like, my daughter told me, she said, Mom, she said, they just, they, they, after he was done, they just made me get up and get dressed, and they dressed me all pretty, and they did my hair nice, took me to the store, and told me not to buy any, told, bought me whatever I wanted, and told me not to tell nobody. 
And I was like, oh, oh my God. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, hold on a second. Are you telling me that one of your children was sexually abused while in foster care? Yes, sir. And at play, she was in a familial placement. The family, like my ex-husband's family, they uh, didn't like the fact that they wanted all of the things I had without me. And I'm a disabled vet, so I, I'm a, I'm a hundred percent. I get my hundred percent disability rating, and so. Um, like they wanted all the money and thinking that they were going to get the kids and that that was going to render the money, but it doesn't work that way. And so like when that happened, then they just wanted my, like wanted the kids for, uh, look at what we got that she can't have. But then, um, yes, my children, my daughter, I I do believe my daughter was, yes. Can you do me a favor? Yes. I want you to get a pen and a piece of paper. I, I had earlier in the case I hired you guys, but I I think I still might I I I paid somebody in your firm for that. But yeah, but this I want, is before I want, you, to, I want you to I want you to write this telephone number down. Yes. Are you ready? Yes, sir. I am. Okay, uh-huh. 888-6582. That's 888-6582. Do you I have the number? Hold on, ma'am. Ma'am, hold on. Do you have that telephone number? Yes, sir, I do. It's written in big black marker on my mirror. It's it's not okay. coming down. Any time. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to move to the next caller, but I want you to call me uh, later today after ten o'clock Pacific time, and I want you to make an appointment to have a phone conference with me. Okay. Mhm. Yes, sir. All right. I want to thank you for calling. Keep listening every week, every Saturday. I've been listening for more than a year. <laughs> First time I got well, in here, my daughter finally said I could tell their story. So. Okay. Well, God bless you, and I'll be speaking to you hopefully later today. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for listening. I appreciate that. Thank you. That uh, call reminds me of it that I was doing in Northern California, and it reminds me of a case. Um, I actually read a, an opinion letter from the uh, federal government. I believe it was the Department of Health and Human Services. Um, a woman, her child was taken away from her, and it was alleged by the by CPS that um, she had a mental and emotional problems and couldn't care for her child. Unfortunately, the juvenile court agreed with the uh, CPS social workers, and the child was taken away from her and was not placed with her family at all. Well, she filed, she and her family filed a, uh, I believe it was a civil rights violation claim with the Department of Health and Human Services and another federal agency. I forget the agency's name. As a result of that, and this happened a few years ago, the federal agency uh, issued a joint opinion that basically said that the mother and the family's rights had been, excuse me, had been violated. And in that investigation, the federal government hired a independent psychologist from back east who specializes in evaluating parents and families to see if they can take care of children and making recommendations to the court and to CPS agencies. Well, this, this, this psychologist did this evaluation and said, number one, um, there was no reason why the child shouldn't be given back to the mother. She could adequately care for the child. And number two, um, she didn't see why the child wasn't given to the grandparents, the parents of the mother. And she recommended, uh, because of the mother's uh, high functioning, that the child be given back. So the federal agency ordered CPS um, to give the child back. 
And I, I guess the threat was they're going to lose funding, these millions and billions of dollars that they have access to, um, these federal funds. I, it didn't mention anything about the CPS case, case uh, in this matter, but apparently this lady got her child back. And um, even though there were court findings uh, against her having the child, I guess the uh, CPS agency may have cared more about the money than what the juvenile court had ordered. A very interesting uh, case, the opinion or the letter from the federal agency, you know, it's like about 10 pages long. It's very in-depth, very specific. And I actually contacted the psychologist um, who did that evaluation because I get a lot of those cases where the social worker says, um, you know, mother has a mental or emotional problem and she can't take care of the kid. And usually the you know, the, the, the CPS courts allow the social worker to testify as some type of expert in the area of um, mental or emotional conditions, which, in my opinion, um, you know, they're not qualified to testify. There's an attorney down in San Diego, his name is Sean McMillan, and he did a case a couple of years ago uh, where he sued the social workers and he won. What the social workers had had done, I think, let me see if I have these facts straight. The social workers had, had, had alleged that this woman, uh, this mother, w- suffered from something called Munchausen by syndrome proxy. Now, this is a very complicated um, psychological condition, and I'm told that it moves on and off the list of recognized mental disorders. Sometimes they do use it, sometimes they don't recognize it, that type of thing. Well, anyway, the social workers in that case had no special training. Um, They had no licenses for psychologists or psychiatrists. Um, I believe that none of them were even, um, you know, carried therapist type of license, like a, a licensed clinical social worker or something like that. Anyway, in that case, the woman lost her child. The child was placed with the father who um, apparently the mother and the father didn't get along at all. And uh, she sued the social workers, and she ended up winning um, several millions of dollars. And, and the sad thing is, is that it didn't help her in the family law case. Um, Mr. McMillan, I think, uh, enlisted the help of another attorney who's actually been a guest on our show who does um, juvenile dependency cases and family law cases, enlisted uh, Mr. Art Lasalento, I think he's in Fullerton, to go into family law court and try to get the child back uh, custody. The last I had heard, um, he had lost the first couple of uh, hearings, and then even uh, the child was allowed to move out of state and it's a it's a very sad situation, um, but as I said in the juvenile court case, the social workers were allowed to testify that this particular parent had this certain psychological condition, and they were able to do that without any license. Now, you know, in a court of law, you just can't come in without doing some type of evaluation, psychological evaluation and some type of, um, how shall we say, evaluation and with some type of, I guess, license that allows you to um, testify that, you know, someone suffers from a mental or psychological condition. I mean, that's not something that ordinary people know about. So... And in these cases, these CPS cases, I've had the experience where social workers are allowed, even over my objection, to testify. And, you know, cases are found to be true by the juvenile court judge. So if you have that issue, I would suggest in your case that you find a psychologist where you can be evaluated and that a report can be generated. And so the psychologist or psychiatrist can come to court and testify Um, that you don't have that condition, or even if you did have that condition, 
because everything is a matter of degrees, you can still take care of your child. All right, I'm going to take our next uh, call. I can't tell the the number. It's another block number, but here we go. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vince Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? That caller off. If the caller is still listening, you're going to have to turn off your radio or your phone. You can't listen to the show and talk on the phone at the same time on the show. So I'll come back to you. The next caller in line is from area code 989, ending in 16. Good morning. Do you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Good morning, Mr. Davis. Thank you for letting me be on. I do have a story to tell and a question to ask along with the story. <laughs> um, okay. I guess, um, I'm going to be as brief as I possibly can so you can um, help me out with my concerns. My daughter is 14 years old. She has chronic kidney disease. Um, she was diagnosed at nine years old at Children's Hospital in Detroit, Michigan. And she was going there from nine all the way to fourteen, and I start. The doctor had um, started saying I wasn't giving her her medicine as of recently, actually last year, and called CPS on me for medical for um, medical neglect, and said I wasn't giving her her medicines. But her medicines were I had her stool. They give her her medicine, and I give her her medicine. She's been getting her medicine. So they were saying that, and then I went through the CPS case. I let them come in my house. I went through the whole process, as you as you know, 30 or 40 days, and um, talked to the friends and family. The CPS worker said, oh, you don't have to worry. We're going to um, move on from the case. So I ended up getting a second opinion done for my daughter, and I transferred her to Ann Arbor, Michigan, my children's hospital, to a new doctor in October last year. And it was during the time I was in process with the CPS. And so the CPS lady um, must have talked to the new social worker there. And I've only been there since October, so that's what, almost six months? Not yet, but we're almost there. And about two weeks ago, the social, the social worker and the doctor said to me, oh, we're going to call CPS on you for medical neglect. And I asked on what grounds, and they said, oh, based on you're not giving her medicine. And then the social worker said, oh, yeah, because you did it before. And so I'm in the process of that right now, and I want to know what steps can I take at this point. Um, They spoke to my daughter in the hospital already, and they spoke to um, my husband. And I spoke to the lady on the phone. She hasn't been by my house yet. So I wanted to know what steps can I take at this point to for, to kind of to see what I can do because I feel like I need to get some type of legal action at this point because I've been doing everything in my power. The stool, I've been, you know, as for her stool, she gets her medicine and everything is. So I feel like it's more so a doctor, you know, misdiagnosis or it's something with the doctor. But what can I do? Okay, first let me ask you, what state are you in? I am in Michigan. Okay. Now, I am a California lawyer, and I'm only allowed by law to give advice to California residents. However, I'm going to speak to you, and we're going to pretend that you live in in California and not in Michigan. And I'm going to tell you what I would tell a California resident what to do, okay? Okay, sir. All right. Now, do you have a pen and a piece of paper? Because you might want to write these down. Yes, I do. Okay. Number one, you're going to have to find an attorney that is experienced in CPS cases. Now, I'm not talking about an attorney, a family law and divorce attorney. I'm talking about an attorney that does CPS cases and that has done, you know, a good number of them that has some experience over the years. 
You can do that on Google because Google knows all, and you can make phone calls, or you can make phone calls to your local um, bar association. Every major city in the United States has a county bar association. For example, if you lived in Los Angeles, there's the Los Angeles County Bar Association. I think most, if not all, of those bar associations have something called a lawyer referral service. These are attorneys that usually have been vetted somewhat in terms of experience to practice in a certain area. And the bar association refers those attorneys to clients like you who are looking for attorneys to help them. Okay, you got that one? Yes, sir. Number two, if you lived in California, I would tell you, you know, not to talk to the social worker. Now, I don't know what the law is in your state, so you have to be very careful with that. Sometimes, even here in California, where there's no law that mandates that a person in your position talk to the social worker, uh, sometimes that is used as a negative against them. In my opinion, in most cases, it's a bigger negative if you talk to them. Because sometimes your stories get a little twisted or they say things that you didn't say. I can't tell you how many times I've received a report over the years from a social worker. And my client tells me, Mr. Davis, I never said that. Mr. Davis, I said it, but it's taken out of context. Mr. Davis, they twisted my words around. Now, you might hear that once or twice and think, well, maybe, you know, the client's not telling the truth. But I'm talking about hundreds of times over my career. In different situations, this thing has happened. So that's why I come with the the advice that you don't talk to the social worker unless your attorney is present. A few weeks ago, I I, I did a... A social worker was at my client's home, and I was on the phone with them, and I was also texting my client things that I didn't want the social worker to hear me communicating to my client. So, you know, this, these are, this is one of the situations, you know, you're not, it does not like you're going to go to jail, although they could bring criminal charges, but it's your child. Are they going to take your child away from you? You need a lawyer. Do you understand that? Yeah. Yes, okay. I do. Number two, I, you know, I think that you're going to have, in these situations, stay calm. You know, um, a lot of times when our children are involved, we get very emotional. And we say and do things that's not going to help us in the future. So don't fall into the trap. In my experience, social workers who are governmental agents have training and experience in getting information from you, making you make an admission that may not be true or making an admission that is true, uh, but you're, you know, they're going to use it against you. Do you understand that? Yes, sir. Okay, the next thing you need to do is you need to make a list of 25 people, relatives and close family friends who could, and I said could, not would, take your child or your children in case the CPS agents want to remove the child from you. You'll need their name, their address, their telephone number, how they're related to the child, and, you know, they could be related by close family friend, and their email address if they have it. Now, here's something that I want to stress. Here's something that's very important what I'm about to say. If you were in California, those people could live anywhere in the world. They could live Mm -hmm. in Arizona. They could live in Florida. They could live in New York. They could live in Canada. They could live in Mexico. They could live in Japan, Switzerland, Italy. So there is something called the Hague Convention. It's a federal treaty. And one of the things that the Hague 
the Hague provides for is children who are involved in CTS cases to be placed with family or friends who live in other countries. Okay. And you said this card. I'm sorry. You said that last part. I'm writing it down. You said this card. What, sir? The Hague, H-A-G-U-E, Convention. It's a federal treaty. It talks about a lot of things. But one of the things it talks about is the placement of children involved in CPS cases in other countries. So I don't know if you're familiar with California, but I'm in Los Angeles County. If the social worker were to take my minor child from me, I would um, give them a list of 25 people, some living in Los Angeles County, some living out of Los Angeles County, but still in the state of California, and then people who live in other states, and then people who live in other countries. For example, I have relatives that live in Japan. I have friends that live in Canada. So I would put them on the list. Okay. So it would behoove you to have that list um, already made. The okay. next thing I would do is, you know, I, you have to maintain, from what you've told me, you have to maintain your innocence. And I think that there may be some, uh, you know, mistakes that have been made uh, regarding your child's case. You know, doctors, you know, listen, they're the best things that we have for our medical problems, but they make mistakes. They make misdiagnosis. Does it happen, you know, every day? I don't know, but it happens. I've been involved in cases where doctors have made mistakes. There was a book written by um, a gentleman. His name was Jerry Dominguez. He used to be a CPS agent for Los Angeles County. He used to work for the Department of Children and Family Services. And I think, you know, I'm just trying to remember, I think he may have worked there like 10 years. He and another social worker both left the department because of what I believe to be uh, kind of rampant corruption within the department. And by corruption, I mean, you know, things were being done that may have been, you know, against the law, things being done that were kind of like in the gray area, um, you know, writing reports that weren't necessarily true and, you know, nothing being done about it. So Jerry Dominguez left and the other social worker left. And I know the other social worker and I can't remember her name, but anyway, they wrote a book. You can find this book on Amazon. It's called Medically Kidnapped, I believe. And it's about a CPS case where the social workers used um, doctors to remove children. I'm told that that's an actually true story. So what I would recommend is you get the book, you read it, and, um, you know, I think, as I recall, because it's been a few years since I've looked at that book, um, they give information on what you should do, what you shouldn't do. So get that book. That's actually written by social workers who used to work for CP, uh, the CPS agency here in Los Angeles County. You know, and the next thing you should do, um, and kind of dovetails into what I just what I said last, try to learn about the CPS laws where you live. A lot of the laws aren't what you think. A lot of the laws you're going to think they're unfair. You know, one of the biggest problems that I have um, over the years, and I didn't figure this out until a couple of years ago. So I, I had been practicing law almost 29 years when I figured this out. Listen to this. Here's the biggest problem in a case between a lawyer and the client. The client has his or her own beliefs about what justice is inside a courtroom including a CPS courtroom. Those beliefs are based upon their experiences, 
personal experiences, their personal beliefs as they have grown up for 30 or 40 years. And it's based upon what people tell them, usually people being non-attorneys. And then there's what I call real justice, which is based upon laws, appellate cases, and rules. Now, there is some similarity between real justice and what your sense of justice is, maybe about 5%. But by definition, you're 95% wrong. And most people don't even know it. A lot of people I talk to about going to court, they tell me things that they believe deep inside their heart. The only problem is they're wrong when it comes to going to court. You know, when you go to court, there's all types of evidentiary rules. And some of these rules logically don't make sense, but they're the rule, they're the law, procedural rules. And then there's substantive law with respect to taking a child away. You know, a lot of people think, you know, laws regarding taking a child away should be or are ABC, when in fact they're CDE. So, you know, try to learn, try to get yourself informed. That's why I said you got to um, talk to a lawyer. The last thing that you should do is you should document everything. Um, you'll never win in court without evidence. School records medical records in your case, videos, pictures, you have to have the evidence to win and to build your defense. Because these, this, this is no joke what these people are doing. Um, if they're investigating you, they're investigating you with the one intent, and that is to take your child away and or to give you services that they think that you may need. So please protect yourself and do those five or six things that I mentioned. Okay? Okay, thank you. Thank you very much, and keep listening every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. I sure will. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right. That was a call from, where did you say, Michigan? Michigan. Okay, we have another call, area code 626, ending in 25. Good morning. This is Attorney Vincent Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? I do. Um, I have a, uh, oh gosh, I ambushed at my daughter's school. Um, We have, uh, just to give you a quick, I'll try to be uh, quick with the background. Uh, We've been uh, involved, my family has been involved in every every community we've lived in. We uh, lived originally in Los Angeles. And uh, my mom was always involved in our school. Uh, she also believed in family therapy and all and church. And so um, that's how um, I grew up. My brothers, uh, sisters, and I, um, I grew up to be, um, you know, what society would consider um, great people. And so um, we are still involved in the community. I wanted to raise my kids like that. I now have an 11-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 7-year-old with special needs. Um, I was originally going to homeschool um, uh, my kids because of, uh, you know, society now and, and the socialization of kids, the YouTubing, the reality shows of kids. And so uh, my husband and I were going to originally um, – homeschool uh, because we wanted them to focus on education. Um, uh, He was a straight-A student, you know, uh, and I was a very uh, socialized in uh, in the uh, community. And my mom was on a blue ribbon panel for California foster youth. Uh, I helped her with that. I'm involved in a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And so we've always been advocates of kids. Okay, fast forward to uh, okay. school, my since kindergarten, I said, well, if we're not going to homeschool, let's at least check out the local school um, and uh, see if we want them to go there. So I met the teacher, the the kindergarten teacher, uh, went, we, you know, we 
got on great. She had 30 years of experience of teaching. So I said, okay, this really feels kind of like a Mayberry situation here with the school. Um, they, my girls thrived from the start. I was all, always in the classroom, um, uh, you know, participating, uh, helping out, volunteering. My husband and I were some of the only parents to ever show up to help and volunteer in, in the classroom. And so um, fast forward to the end of elementary school, we're still in the classroom. My daughters have been um, A, uh, B students, won the science fair uh, on TV for being one of 26 um kids who beat out 30,000 kids in the spelling bee, you know, this is the track uh, that we're on, and we're thinking that that is a um, result of our hard work and attention paying to our kids. Uh, So go on. They're still thriving. Everyone's, you know, saying, oh, uh, without saying our last name, oh, the the so-and-so family is here. Uh, Great kids. We love your girls. How have you been raising them? This is the type of reaction that we've been getting our whole lives with the girls and with our kids. Uh, I even took my son out of school because the teacher that he went with uh, was really too busy. You know how teachers are. They're overworked, overstressed. So, he was hyper. This was before his diagnosis of autism. He was hyper, so she would send him, and this is with me still in the classroom a couple times a week, would just send him to the um, principal's office. So he started to think he was a bad person. So my husband and I, my husband said, okay, we got to take him out of there and find some other way of educating him because they're going to make him think he's on the track to jail or something like that. And so this was in TK, TK. So when they suspended a four-year-old, we immediately took him out and started homeschooling him. These are, this is the type of parents that we're dealing with. We take action with our kids and always have been, um, you know, uh, caring with them. Uh, while my husband goes to work, I'm uh, all the duties at the home. The kids are usually always with me. He goes to work. He comes home. Okay, so now in, when my girls go to middle school, we said, okay, well, do we homeschool them now? Because now they're going to have a whole bunch of different a psycho, I mean, a psychological social pressures that are going on. Me, I'm looking back at my, um, you know, whole thing where my my mom and dad were concerned about our minds. If your mind is right, then, uh, you know, you have at least a chance. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It means that we have at least a chance of being good people in society. If our minds, if we, if we have some self-esteem, if we have some uh, – some confidence, if we feel good about ourselves, all of those things. So these things are super important to us as parents now because his parents were also um, uh, heavily into um, heavy parenting, which is what attracted me to him. Um, Fast forward to now, they're in a seventh, uh, 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 the middle school now starts at sixth grade. So they left that wonderful school where we were. In um, in fifth grade, they are now in um, junior high school where they want to give the sex education class in uh, sixth grade. Uh, we had a lot of hesitations about doing that because we kind of sheltered them from from you know all of those types of uh, terms, or uh, they don't have that many friends, and they pick friends well because. Again, because I was in the classroom to my daughter in kindergarten, uh, okay, this is not good behavior, that's good behavior. You want to stay away from the troublemakers, all of those types of things. So they have followed through. They picked great people to hang around all through um, elementary school. Now we're in junior high school. Well, they will let the parent uh, be in the classroom in in middle school. So I'm just kind of at, you know, um, at home and waiting for them to come home, they're still thriving and picking, you know, great friends to be around. Okay, so the 
both my girls now are in this school. We said, well, it has a business and art uh, focus. It's not a you know regular middle school, and we want them to also um, get some entrepreneurial uh, training as young as possible. So since this particular, uh, it's a middle school and a high school, and so we were a little concerned about that as well because some of the other, you know, parents that that I hang around, we call the high schoolers, okay, we don't want them around the mustaches, the older kids. Well, they said that they keep them separate. Okay, so uh, I'm going to try to speed this up here. Okay, so now you have some of the background. Last week, the school called, the school counselor calls me and says, um, Oh, um, can you come to the school? Your, uh, don't worry, your daughter is not in any trouble. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, yeah, I know she's just been getting awards since she's been there. She's, I know she's not in trouble. Um, so I said, oh yeah, sure, absolutely, I'll come right away. This is in the morning, um, uh, late morning. And and so I said, I'll come right away. Well, she calls me back and she says, well, why don't you come at two o'clock in the uh, afternoon? Um, and then that way you could take both the girls home. So I said, I said, okay. I said, no, I said, I'll be uh, there at two o'clock sharp. I'm there to two o'clock sharp. I walk into the office, say hello to everybody. I noticed that one of the ladies, there's one lady who knows us since, um, since kindergarten, who is now, who used to be at the other schools now there. So she knows us, our family. She wasn't there when I show up. And so uh, I asked for the school counselor, and she brings me into a room, and she says, well, um, your daughter's friend told us something um, that your daughter said to her, and it's a very heavy subject. Uh, Fast forward, she says, uh, she said that your uh, husband tried to have sexual intercourse uh, with her. She thinks she had. She, that that happened to her when she was nine or ten. Now she's at the this. She say, but she can't really remember uh, what happened. So um, I, I, my mouth is on the floor. I immediately break down, and I'm like, okay, something is not adding up here. You know, can Gara? I said, I know that you know parents always say this, they know their kids, all of those kind of things, but I have been physically, we have been so involved. I said, I can guarantee you she doesn't fully know what that term means. And I can tell you that she just learned that last year in your sex education class, that particular term. So she's using it incorrectly. I can promise you that. And uh, so she said, well, um, well, she's in the back and she's going to tell you, um, uh, what happened? She said, I asked her if she knew what that meant, and she said yes. I said, okay, so what did she say exactly that it meant? Because I can tell you she is using it incorrectly, not to mention they don't know the, our, you know, family history that, you know, this particular daughter, she's, a, all, all of my children are a bit behind, you know, socially. So they'll say things like, you know, jokingly, I mean, this is not like a joke, but but there's a disconnect with her in some of the things that she says because we go through this over and over again. But I don't, I don't really know how to verbalize it. Um, you know, her whole history in in one moment that they're hitting me with this, I don't know how to verbalize that. That I know what I think she might be talking. Anything, I was like, okay, well, let me go. You know, let let's you know bring her out. And they said, well. Uh, mandatory uh, rules say that I had to call CPS and I had to call, and the the uh, school cop was here. I said, yes, I know the school cop because again, my um, son who is now seven, um, we always go and talk to the cops because of everything that they say happens to you know little black boys. I wanted him to have a good. Um, first impression of cops. So we always go talk to the cops and they give him stickers and, you know, all of those things, right? So this particular cop, I said, I, yeah, I said, oh, hi, officer. You know, you know, it's me, you know, you know, you see me and my son when we come pick up uh, the girls the last couple of years. Um, I said, what is, you know, uh, going on? So 
before before that, I said, I just want to talk to to you, the counselor, school counselor, and my daughter alone, please, because I'm feeling really ambushed right now, and I don't know what's going on or what to do. So she said uh, she went back into wherever they were keeping my daughter and said, well, listen, um, they don't really want you to talk to your daughter alone. It has to be all of us. And I said, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't. I I want to talk. I want to hear from your mouth what happened, and with my daughter. So they agreed for a few minutes that we could talk for a moment. Well, my daughter's just repeating what she told her friend. Her friend is the one who went and told the uh, school counselor what my daughter said. So she's the when they brought my daughter, and my daughter was just broken down in tears. And I could tell why, but again, I didn't want to say too much. I spent my first years working, uh, you know, as a kid in law offices. And uh, and so I, I, I didn't want to say too much. And so... Um, when they brought my daughter in, I just held her and rocked her, and we just took deep breaths. And she, she said, oh, yeah, I told her that, her friend. Um, to get to the bottom of it, again, I didn't want to say too much. So the the other lady, she confirmed, okay, well, that yeah, that's what I told the, the you know, the little girl. And, and then she, the counselor throws in, oh, and... She didn't want now now, mind you, the way that I grew up, I could tell my parents anything anything it didn't matter what it is, and it was very unusual at the time to be able to do this, so I'm again raising my kids the same way, so they know they can come to me with anything well and she does if she has something going on with her body personally, she says, "Mom, I got something to tell you, okay, uh, you know so these counselor throws in, oh, and your daughter didn't want to tell you because she thought you'd be very mad at her. She said, but I told your daughter, your mom, oh, no, she's going to be mad at the situation, not at you. Okay. Okay. So now she, this ha- you're saying that this happened to her and she had no place to turn to. Uh, uh, then the rest of the crew comes in, the two CPS workers, one with their arms folded, sitting, just kind of staring, nothing. Uh, and the cop who was very, oh, hi, yeah, I remember you, the cop sitting in the corner being very kind, of, you know, about everything. So the one, there's one CPS worker that was doing all the talking. Um, and I said, I said, first of all, I can guarantee you she does not know the full meaning of that term. And, uh, I said, I, I don't want to look like one of these women who's all all of a sudden just, you know, all protecting the husband. But I'm telling you, she does not know the meaning of that word. And so the the, I said, so I'm feeling very uncomfortable, very um, ambushed right now. Not to mention the charade of, uh, you know, calling me earlier so I could come right away and then telling me to come later so you could get the team together to ambush me. Um, and then I said, I feel like I need some representation, a psychologist, a, um attorney, something. I feel like I need someone here that can explain this to me and why this is happening right now because I feel like I'm in a twilight zone. I said, so if we go overnight from being, oh, the so-and-so family is here, to now all of a sudden, you know, to this, you know, to, to you know, some molestation uh, uh, business. And so I said, so what would happen if I said, I just don't want to talk to you guys right now? And she said, well, we would take the children and you wouldn't be able to leave here with your child. And so uh, uh, fast forward. So, you know, they, they talk. And then the officer says, oh, and I asked your daughter even more questions and details. And, and she said that, oh, she has been touched under her clothes and this kind of thing. And 
and both of the officer and the school counselor said, well, I'm not. They, they, they looked at me and they said, well, you, well, you probably have had, you know, I gave them my background like I gave you guys. And, and they said, well, you have probably, you know, more, uh, you know, tried psychology experience. I'm not, I am not a, a, an expert on myself, but the, but the, the, uh, school counselor and the cop said, "Well, I'm no expert in, um, you know, uh, you know, child psychology matters." And the, and the counselor says the same thing. And I'm thinking to myself, "Why are you grilling my child all day? Then why did you take her out of class to grill her all day if you have no um, experience in this uh, matter? Uh, it doesn't make any sense." Uh, so. I tell them, I said, something is not adding up. Something is not adding up. And then the officer says, well, she says it happened several times. I said, what? What did, what did we talk? We went from, oh, it happened when, it was, you know, there's an incident that may have happened when I was 9 or 10 to, oh, several times now. I said, I said something. It, it, now it's really not adding up. I said, it's really not adding up. So they said, well, let's get a safety plan in order. The husband has to be gone, you know, tonight. Um, he can't be there uh, anymore, and we'll keep this, the CPS says, we'll just keep this verbal. We'll have a verbal agreement that as long as your husband is gone, your daughter can go home with you. Uh, so I said, okay, he's gone. Uh, they said, will you have any trouble? Do you need a police escort? And he, I said, no, he wants what's best. If I tell him what's going on here, he's not going to want to be anywhere around. He's going to, he's going to, uh, you know, have the best interest of the kids in place. I I did tell them, I said, listen, I said, you're talking about a guy that every day when he comes home from work, all three of the kids run and jump on top of him. Daddy's home. We just had Daddy Appreciation Day last week. Um, the kid's idea. Um, so th- this is something is not, it's just not, I said, so this particular guy, the kids tell him what to do. So he's not going to, there's not going to be any of uh, uh, some kind of violence. Oh, does he, if he has a key, will he try to sneak back in, the CPS worker says. I said, I said, no. I said, he will not. He will do whatever is required right now um, to straighten out this matter, um, which is exactly, you know, what what happened? He was like, what is going on? What did they say I did? I said, I think we're going to need an attorney. Uh, so um, he said, for what? Well, he went to the, to the hotel. I said, well, what? I'm in the, still in with the, at the school. The off. I said, so do I get a receipt that this even happened? Do I get a statement? I mean, something that we were even here today. What happens at this point? Um, the officer says, oh, uh, I'm going to have a police report uh, about that, and you can call me anytime. A CPS worker goes, uh, here's my card. I can tell you guys are good people. So we're going to, the officer says, oh, we're going to, she rubs me, and she says, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. She said, so what's going to happen now? I'm going to talk to the detectives, and they're going to see if they can take it further. You know, if they want to take this matter further, um, then, you know, we'll we'll call you. Um, so I saw her the next I immediately, you know, took the girls out for independent study. Um, and the next day when I went to pick up their work, um, the officer was there. I said, oh, hi, officer. I said, I want to know. I said, any word on that? Are they trying to take it further? Or, you know, what's happening? She goes, oh, yeah, they want to take it further. They want to take it further. So the detective will call you, and probably what will happen is they're going to do a uh, safe forensic interview um, with your girls. They want to see both of the girls. She says, oh, by the way, I also talked to your other daughter. I pulled her out of class and asked her a few questions, and she just you know, acted like she didn't know what was going on or anything. So you might want to talk to her. Um, she just gave me answers like, what? What are you talking about? Um when she asked her questions, she was asking her questions like, oh, uh, do you know there's been some allegations? Um, your sister said something. And, and, my, and my other daughter's going, what? 
what what are you what are you talking about? I've never seen anything like that. What are you? Ma'am, and so my daughter let, was just, let, ma'am, yes. ma'am. Let me break in yes. for a second because we're running, we're running over time. Um, oh, oh, okay, I understand me, that. Did you have a question that you wanted to ask me? Yes. So, so at this point, the there's a forensic interview coming up um, uh, next week. So I think the question is more immediately. I I wanted to take her to my doctor, um, you know, to get something saying that she was physically. Uh, okay, so I did make an appointment for that because I saw I read your um, website and it said that uh, you know if they've been accused of uh, if you've been accused of physical uh, abuse to take them to the doctor, but I don't know if you meant that type of physical um, abuse. Abuse. So um, I did make the appointment to take her to the doctor next week. So I wanted to um, you know find out how we proceed through the investigative process because there's been no formal charges or anything they want to do the um safe interview so it's it's more of you know um you know I also uh, called your office and um I spoke to someone about retaining your uh, services as well and so um at this juncture uh a I wanted to know you know if we should be taking her to the doctor. I have a call into a psychologist and to the doctor. And then B, if we need some sort of, you know, representation at the safe, um, the the forensic interview. Okay. Generally, the forensic interview is conducted where the uh, alleged witness or victim is put into a room uh, with specialized questioners and ask questions. Um, In some cases, they'll let you watch the forensic interview on a video or, you know, through a two-way mirror. Um, But I've heard many occasions where the parents aren't even allowed to be present in the interview itself. Um, This is a very delicate situation because of the allegations uh, because of you know the close family relationship, um, I I I would if I were you, and especially if I were your husband, try to retain attorneys you know for both of you, because this is going to get very very serious, and um, it could lead to devastating, you know, um, things happening to your family and. And, and, you know, possibly even the breakup of the family or them taking the children away from you. So I would suggest that you guys talk to attorneys as soon as possible. Because this is the type of case that you explained to me, you and your husband should not have, and I, in my opinion, cannot have the same attorney. There is an inherent actual conflict of interest. Um, It sounds like, you know, worst case scenario, Best case scenario is this is just dropped and you go on your way. Okay. Worst case scenario, they arrest your husband. They try to put him in jail. They bring a juvenile dependency case against both of you. Your husband has two cases going on, criminal and juvenile. You have one case going on, which is um, uh, juvenile. But heaven forbid they tried to charge you criminally with some type of neglect or criminal neglect, you know. I mean, I've seen these things spiral out of control. The only thing that I can tell you is that you both need to confer with attorneys. Um, Okay. That's the only thing I can tell you at this point. Okay. Uh, Would that be dependency already, or would we hire you after after they've already taken the kids? Now, if you want to hire me, you better hire me now so that I can try oh, to prevent you losing the children and controlling okay. the uh, – trying to control or have input into the investigation. But I gave my okay. phone number out earlier. I'm going to give it to you, to you and the audience again. You should call my office today after 10 a.m. and make an appointment to speak to me either this weekend or Monday, okay? Okay, okay. The telephone number okay. is. Mm-hmm. You ready? Yes, I'm ready. Six mm-hmm. five eight two. That's triple eight triple eight six five eight two. 
triple eight triple eight six five eight two. Got it. All right. Ma'am, I want to thank you for calling in. We're over time right now, but keep listening okay, on Saturdays. And I look I look I forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great All right. So we're we're over time. We're almost five minutes over time. And we have to sign off. Before I go, I want you to all see this book and order this book by just calling my office. We'll send you out a free copy. Or you can buy it on Amazon if you want to pay the price on Amazon. Check us out on YouTube, Vincent W. Davis, Attorney at Law, and also on social media, Law Offices of Vincent W. Davis and Associates. Thank you, and that's the end of the show. We'll see you next week on the radio. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.